This morning, as we begin our sermon series called The Bright Golden Line, again, our first passage is Philippians 4, verse 4. But to get a full context of what the Apostle Paul wrote here, let's begin by reading the first nine verses of Philippians. Hear these words from Holy Scripture. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, my beloved. I urge Eudea and I urge Syntec to be of the same mind in the Lord. Yes, and I ask you also, my loyal companion, help these women, for they have struggled beside me in the work of the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So as we hear those words from Philippians, rejoice, and again I will say rejoice, I guess my first question for all of us is, can we imagine what rejoicing is? What do you picture in rejoicing? Is it this room, Sunday mornings, and singing and raising your hands to God? For any of those who ever actually did that here, raise your hands to God, is that what you picture a rejoicing is? These are the words that Paul is giving to the Philippians church, but Actually, more interestingly enough, he's also saying them first, and he names them a couple of women, one of them named Eudea. Now, Eudea may be a proper name, or it could be a description, because it's very close, and this is what some scholars think is happening, it's very close to the name Lydia. In the book of Acts, when it's recorded what Paul's missionary journeys were, that he had stopped in the city of Philippi, right? The book of Philippians. And he met a woman there. What happens is, is that it's the Sabbath and he and his companions, he, Paul and his companions, encounter a group of women on the banks of a river. And they are praying. We don't know exactly what religion they are, but they seem to be God-fearers of some kind. And so they interact with these women. And among these women is a woman named Lydia, or perhaps here in Philippi, Eudea. But Lydia then invites Paul and his companions to come and stay with her at her home. And so the church in Philippi gets started there while Paul and his friends are staying with this woman named Lydia. We don't know anything really much more about her and between that and then what we get in the book of Philippians as Paul is writing to the Philippians church but there are some intriguing things in Lydia's story that we can pick up on. For example, it's described in Acts that this woman uh, is a trader in purple cloth or a dyer of purple cloth, some sort of trade where they were dyeing clothing. 
And what's fascinating about that is where did that happen? Where was it popular for that to get started? Where who had that industry? It was the city of Lydia, which is why people think maybe this wasn't her proper name, but just a description that people from Philippi would call her because this was her, her home of origin. But we know that she was a trader in these purple goods, this dye or this clothing that had been dyed purple. And the fact that she could then, as a woman in first century world, invite a group of men to come stay at her home. Where's her husband? Does she not have any children that she is relying on? If she's a widow, are they not responsible for her? She must be well off because not only to invite people into your home, but then later on to say that her whole household was baptized by Paul and his companions suggests that this was a woman of means and her whole household was probably also slaves and servants. A trader of purple goods, very well off, not beholden to men in a world where that was completely normal for women. That's the woman I want you to picture is first and foremost getting told by Paul to rejoice. So what does rejoicing mean? Again, you picture the praise, the singing, something. Sure, but in Greek, what Paul was saying was a word that they probably would have understood because the, the root of the word would have meant something like this. Lean forward. That kind of makes sense, right? When you rejoice over something, you sort of lean forward into it. That would be the physical expression of it. You're into it. You're moving forward into it. So lean forward is rejoice. And it's a particular kind of leaning forward, though, because it's also in Greek related to their word for grace. So lean forward into grace. In other words, the unmerited favor of God. That's what Paul is telling uh, Lydia and the rest of the Philippians church to do and reminding them to do. Nobody who has established a church and done everything that Lydia has done has not heard that before. Just like you're not hearing it this morning for the first time, are you? But a reminder. Whatever's going on in Philippi, whatever's going on in Lydia's life or this syntax life or the rest of the Philippian church's life, rejoice, lean into the grace, a reminder to do it. That's a pretty amazing thing to do. Uh, and what Paul says about leaning into rejoicing is he also then connects it to worry. Do not worry about anything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. I love that about Paul here. I love that. Because, you know, we live in an age when we've all encountered Christians who will use words like rejoice. And it comes across often as, you know, positive thinking type theology. Just be positive and everything will work out. Look on the bright side of life. Greeting cards that are covered in flowers or greeting cards with baskets full of kittens on the front. Without context, without acknowledgement of problems, just ignore it. It'll go away. But the truth is that's just avoidance. And nowhere in the Christian story is there ever avoidance of what is wrong in the world. Jesus walks through what is wrong. 
to give us a ministry of reconciliation, to bring us back together to God. Paul says these are the two parts that I am commending to you, Lydia, and the Philippian church. I want you to do this. I want you to rejoice, lean into the good, and give the worries over to God. At this time, we can all relate to that, I am sure, and acknowledge it, and probably do need the reminder. Sort of like this last week, I was watching that press conference that Governor, Governor Cuomo gave about what reopening looks like, right? How every region of the state, starting on May 15, they'll start examining if they meet seven different criteria, and if they meet those seven criteria, and they keep those seven criteria going, then there'll be a phase one, and then two weeks later, there'll be a phase two, and then two weeks later, phase three, and then phase four. If you do the math on what that means for a church, best case scenario is that six weeks from May 15th, we could possibly reopen. Best case scenario. And we could lean into the bad of that and go, it's already been seven weeks and how much more and how much more can we take? And I understand that very much. But you know, I have a good friend that used to say, probably still says it. He says, I don't care what the plan is as long as there's a plan. And to me, that was my moment of rejoicing, not focusing on how it's so far away yet, but just, okay, now there's a light at the end of the tunnel. There is a plan in place and, and it still is unknown how it's all going to work out, but you can see it. We can, we can take action towards it. There are steps to make. And then if you look at our region, the news actually gets better because of the seven criteria, yeah, there's ones about who is sick and how many per the population and how many have died, but the ones we've already matched, they're the infrastructure ones. They're the ones about how many beds there are and how many hospitals there are and how prepared we are to deal with anything that comes next. We've met those. Thank God for our friends and our family, the members of our churches, who have been working day and night, hours on end, day after day after day, to make sure that that infrastructure is there. That bad things can still come, but we are as prepared as we can be to deal with them. We can thank them that we are that much closer to being able to reopen and our lives to go back to some kind of normal. See? That's rejoicing. Leaning into the good. It has nothing to do with ignoring the bad. It has nothing to do with pretending it's not there. You know, when people avoid the bad stuff, the bad news, they, they become just, actually, it controls them. That unwillingness to admit that there's something bad becomes the fears that underlie everything else and their anger and their acting out. But Paul says, rejoice and give the rest over to God. A good reminder, because it's not always easy to do, but a reminder that God is always near. And so those worries can be given to the God who can handle them. That is that faith and that trust in a God that is bigger and more powerful than you. The other word, though, in the midst of this rejoicing, on one side, he says to Lydia and to the Philippians church, rejoice. 
He also says, on the other side of it, let give your worries over to God. So we have this combination. But there's one other word that I want to draw your attention to. A bright golden line of how to get through these days and how to get through life. He says, be gentle. Let your gentleness be known to everyone, Paul says. Here on Mother's Day, that, that's a great word to use because what immediately comes to mind to me for the word gentleness, if I'm trying to get a picture of it, is a mother holding her newborn infant, right? How gentle they are. How from the inside out, from their hearts out, they want to become this. But another way to think about gentleness is not just that, what that looks like, but also the recognition of this. Gentleness is the restraint of power. Not that we would ever want to use it in a harmful way, but we have so much power in that moment of holding an infant. We are incredibly powerful. Every great mother knows this, whether they are at a child's side uh, in the good times or the bad, how much they affect a child's life. They have power. I just think it's fascinating that in the midst of the rejoicing and the call to accept worry and give it over to God in prayer, there's also this word called gentleness because of who he's talking to, this woman named Lydia. Again, we don't know if she has a husband. We don't know if she's a widow. We don't know if she has kids. We know that she's a woman of means, but that is what is odd about her in the first century. None of those things are supposed to be happening. We're supposed to think of women in that time as powerless. And yet Paul is saying, I don't think you're powerless. I think you have a great deal of power. Use it wisely. Restrain it. We need to hear that too in these days. No matter who we think we are in this moment, we have power. We have the power of our words, the power of our ideas, the way we lean into this or we lean into that. We have power. God is in control of everything, but in the midst of God being in control, we can make those choices of whether or not we give our worries over to God or we let them control us. And by the way, some of the most dangerous people you will ever meet are the people who decide that they have no power, who tell themselves that story. That they have no power, and when they have no power, well, if you have no power, then who cares how you behave? You're not going to do any harm. You have no power over it. You can be careless. You can be reckless. You don't have to give a care to anyone. And maybe the world that took away any power that you think you might have had or deserved, maybe it deserves to be This is part of the equation, this bright golden line that we're being given here. This picture of women in the first century who often would get the advice, I'm sure, that they are powerless. And they need to act to have more power. And Paul is saying, I'm not denying you of power. I'm asking you to restrain it and use it wisely. Because you do have some kind of power, Lydia. Church, you do have some kind of power. So many things have been taken out of your control, but you still do have control. 
You know, one of my favorite videos uh, that comes from the internet about mothers is the one that compares dogs to cats and the way they mother. Have you ever seen this? It's a video where there's a dog sitting at the top of the stairs with her puppies and she starts running up and down the stairs trying to coax them into trying to go up and down the stairs. Then you go over to the cat mother, who's also sitting at the top of the stairs with her kittens. But instead of running up and down the stairs, you know what she does? As they take their first steps out onto the, onto the steps, she just comes along and goes, whack. <laughs> just knocks them right down the stairs. Two very different ways of being mom. But either way, you have the power, you have the authority to teach, to show. Be gentle and let everyone see it. That is your witness. When the Christian church says rejoice, it is not context-free. It is a hard-won fight in many people's lives to say to any of the rest of us who are going through a hard time, look for that bright golden line and rejoice. That is how you will get through it. It's not context-free. They have lived through the hard things, and this is what they learned. They learned that they had power to lean in, to give the worries over to God, and to let their gentleness show to everyone around them. Your bright golden line. Every good mother has done it. Every great elder has done it. Every good Christian has done it. They have followed the way. They have seen it, and they have gone with it. Rejoice, church. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let us pray. God, we pray for those who have made news headlines today because of what they have done or said those who have been brought to our attention through a meeting or a conversation, those who are in the hospital or a close relationship where there is stress or a breakup, those who are waiting for a birth or a death or news that will affect their lives, those who need to forget the God they do not believe in and meet the God who believes in them. We pray, O oh God, for those whose pain or potential should not be forgotten by us, because, God, you are working all things together for their good. Lord, we believe that you hear our prayer and will be faithful to us with your promise to answer us. And so when we open our eyes again, may we do so not to end our devotion, but to expect your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciles us to himself through Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. For in him we live and move and have our being. And so, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace and happy Mother's Day.
established a church and done everything that Lydia has done is not 